Full of bullish RBA yesterday has opened the door to rate rises ahead of 2024. It's ready to taper QE and it won't extend the three-year YCC. That's pushed bond yields higher, whereas elsewhere, caution has pushed bond yields down. Why? Well, weaker data from the US and Germany, concerns over China, the OPEC stoush, and oh yes, that virus. It's Wednesday, the 7th of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, back from the long weekend in the US and shares are sharply down, 0.6% down for the Dow, 0.3% down for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq is flat, but it and the S&P kicked off the session at an all-time high. One exception for the general decline in shares is Amazon, which gained 4.7%. Clearly, investors are happy to see the back of Jeff Bezos and uh, Andy Jassy is now in charge there. Uh, There's also been a sharp drop in the yields in US Treasuries, 10 years down six basis points, the same across Europe too. In the UK, 10-year gilts are down eight basis points, seven basis points uh, down for uh, 10 years in Canada. No surprise then that banking stocks are feeling a bit of hurt this morning. Bank of America down two and a JP Morgan losing 1.6%. The US dollar, though, back on the rise, up 0.4% on the DXY. Uh, we've seen a similar size fall in the Aussie dollar, back down below 75 US cents, and the pound and the euro down a third of 1%. And big falls in oil, a 3.5% drop in Brent, down below 74.50 a barrel now, back to where it was in late June. So what's going on with all of this? Rodrigo Catrill is here to explain it. All senior FX strategists are now in Sydney. So we've got a stronger US dollar, a, a drive to, to government bonds clearly uh, and clearly there's a bit of caution in the air that's driving this so how much of this is to do with the the data we've got because we've got the the ism numbers uh the non-manufacturing ism coming in at 60.1 which is still a strong number obviously but it's below what was expected and down from the 64 we saw in may morning phil yes this has been pre pre sort of surprising uh, market action uh, uh, overnight and i I suppose this there's not a single catalyst but there's this sort of theme uh, and important technical mm. uh, 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 levels that have been breached in particularly 10-year Treasury yields. So the story of 10-year Treasury yields has been that, you know, they've basically been largely contained in this 140 to 177 range, broad range, if you like, since since March. Um, and, and now we've broken through that level. So there's been an acceleration, if you like, of that move. So that's important to, to highlight. Uh, the, the other is that, as you say, uh, the ISM on, on a normal or, you know, if you still print a level of 60 on any kind of given day, that, that's pretty <laughs> punchy and, and a, a reflection of, of a strong activity. But of course, it, it came significantly below expectations, uh, as you say, three points below. Mm. And the details of it uh, is sort of playing to this narrative about, if you like, this idea of the speed limit, um, and which also links to, to what we're seeing yeah. in Germany as well. So, uh, as you mentioned, the um, uh, the Germany activity rings were also soft, softer. Um, so the, mm. the idea is that, you know, there's a limit because of the supply constraints, not only supply constraints coming from, you know, inputs, but also from the labor side. And indeed, we, we had that, that print of, this, of the index in the ISM uh, below 50, which was in line with that below 50 that we got also in the manufacturing ISM last week, uh, which is a reflection of demand for labor, but there, there's no supply of labor. Um, so, so it is yeah. a reflection, and and so the market is now thinking, oh well, hang on, maybe there is actually a limit of how quickly we can recover, yeah. given all these supply constraints, and, um, and it's the supply of supply of people, as you say, and that's pushing prices up because the price index as yes, well that's still right. high, just below eighty, so still really expansionary, so you s- and those German fact factory orders, uh, we saw that 3.7% month-on-month drop, and that was because of a big drop on foreign orders as well. Correct. And 
And that's a big sort of swing because the market expectations were for, for a rise of close to 1%, and we got a decline of close to 5%, oh, sorry, 4%. So it's a 5% difference there in terms of how activity has changed in Germany. So that, that is sort of a major theme that, that appears to be sort of making, you know, investors a little bit wonder about the outlook. And, and then, of course, there's a whole dynamics going on in, in oil prices as well, which, again, um, it, it's, it has a sort of two-prong. One, you know, if, if supply is going to be restrained near term, then higher prices will be supported. But if OPEC and friends cannot come to an agreement, then that means that you will see an increase in supply in the future as well. So um, we're seeing that sort of volatility in, in, in the oil market. Um, which is also kind of playing into the uncertainty. Um, mm, yeah, I mean, so look, I mean, lower oil prices, obviously not, not good for oil producing nations, but ve- very good for everybody else because it's going to speed up the, uh, the, the the speed of recovery. Uh, but also, I mean, it's going to slow down any concerns about inflation. That's rise. right. That's right. So, um, but is, is, is it the right type of inflation? Right. So you, you want the inflation that is a demand-driven yeah. inflation, and that's what central banks are looking for. And this this is not the sort of the declining inflation that that we're yeah. hoping for. Now, to another concern, of course, is China. So uh, we have the story about uh, is it Didi Didi? Not quite sure how you pronounce it. The uh, the ride hailing app. Yeah, um, I thought it's Didi, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I've just thrown that uncertainty in your mind now, haven't I? Um, <laughs> let's call it Didi. Uh, so this ride hailing app, which uh, just listed a few days ago on in the United States, now banned from app stores in China because they're wanting stricter controls on firms listed offshore. I mean, this is just another sign, isn't it, of uh, you know of the, the the influence that China's trying to have. We've got this morning in the you know, in the news the the rising tensions in Australia too, with China claiming that Australia's been trying to spread, uh, stop the spread of the the Sinopharm vaccine in Papua New Guinea as well. So, I mean, there's increasing concerns, isn't there, about China? So, I guess that adds to uncertainty as well in markets. It does, it does, and um, I suppose the the other issue, so the underlying theme between there is that. Um, it seems that the, the regulation is particularly trying to have a bigger negative impact on, on foreign investors rather than domestic investors in China. So again, it plays to that view that, you know, if you are investing in China, particularly in those uh, U.S. listed stocks, uh, it becomes a bit trickier and, and creates a, another level of uncertainty. And there's also this theme that China is trying to, to gain a little bit more control, particularly over the data that these big tech companies have in, in China. Uh, and again, it's raising concerns about what exactly or how far is this re- the regulation going to go. So um, it's yet another another reason why you've seen this sort of risk aversion in the, in the market. Yeah, well, it's sort of highlighting the cost of doing business with China, isn't it? And that cost might be rising uh, right. as far as people are concerned. So, yeah, question mark about how long that relationship lasts the way it currently is. Uh, look, we've got another week of lockdown likely in Sydney. We're expected to hear that today, according to uh, various news reports this morning. Uh, and, you know, that, I mean, it's obviously Australia still has this under control. But uh, you look at the rest of the world, that, that's got to be, it's always going to be a concern, isn't it, for markets as to what happens next. So, for example, we've got the Lambda strain, you know, the latest one now, which Peru is seeing a massive spike and uh, th- there's a concern that this one is more virulent, spreading faster than the Delta variant even, and actually might be more deadly if it's uh, if you're not vaccinated. 
it's question mark at the moment as to you know how effective vaccines are going to be against it. We don't know one way or the other. At the same time, we've got the UK government saying in the last 24 hours that they could see infections rise to 100,000 a day this summer, even with the vaccines as they ease restrictions. Uh, the, the hope is that the vaccine is just going to stop people getting sick. But I mean, the, the tourist industry is going to be very sick, I would have thought, with the, that level of infections in, in the UK. So I mean, this thing just carries on. And that's obviously going to be another cause, for, ongoing cause for uncertainty. We, we seem to push it behind us and then we get reminded that no, things are still pretty bad. Yes. Um, so the, the, there's a, a few things there, or themes mentioned there. It's, I suppose the first one is the distinction between those countries that are close to or getting on the road to fully vaccinations and those that are not. Mm. Um, so the risks are very different. Um, and, and as you say, the, this idea that, you know, that we remember that the virus variants will continue to come. And, and the hope is that the, the vaccines can remain, you know, ahead of the game, uh, effective yeah. against them. But um, uh, that that is an uncertainty that we all have to sort of try to cope with at the moment. Uh, but hopefully, that you know, they continue to work. And, and if anything, the, the news over uh, over the past twenty four hours in regards to efficacy uh, are quite good. You know, Israel uh, just released a report overnight highlighting how. Whilst the, the Delta variant, um, rather the, the Pfizer vaccine is shown to be 64% effective in preventing symptoms from the Delta variant, um, it's still very, very strong in terms of preventing hospitalization and death mm. uh, around 93%. So for now, at least, uh, some of the vaccines are proven to be very resilient, if you like, against new variants, yeah. and, and that's good. Yeah, news well, the UK is heading towards a 100% sample, isn't it? For, <laughs> you don't need a study. You just need to look at the UK to see how many people how many people <laughs> are getting and uh, how few are going to hospital, because it is a very small percentage. Look, Philip Lowe yesterday. Let's look at the RBA. Yes. Uh, still saying it's likely to be 2024 before we see a rate hike, uh, even though, as we discussed yesterday, markets seem to be suggesting otherwise. But, you know, he's not... Uh, Totally said on that, really. It's data, not dates, isn't it, as far as he's concerned? Yes. So the, I suppose the, the, the major takeaways from, from the RBA yesterday, uh, there's a few things to know, right? One, the, the commitment no. of the yield curve control is now no longer, if you like, a rolling three-year. Now it's been fixed yeah. to April 2024. So that, again, is a less dovish outcome, if you like. Um, the tapering yeah. of QE, so we were going at a pace of $5 billion per week. Now is four billion per week with a, a flexible approach, which will be reassessed mid-November. So again, um, there's been some of that stimulus is, is being taken taken uh, out of the economy, uh, and then again, it's a, it's a sort of sort of move away from the sort of ultra dovish stance. Um, and the, the very important thing, in, in our view, is the other one: the, the comment that the, the governor made in terms of the issue that we are now shifting, if you like, or, or reminding everyone that the RBA is data dependent. So there's been a pivot to outcome-based guidance, if you like. Before, until now, it's been very much you know, April 24, at least, you know, the cash rate is going nowhere, mm. whereas now the emphasis is about the conditions to increase the cash rate that depends on the outcome of the data. Not the date, but the data. So then that's important because what we've seen not only in Australia, but around the globe is that the recovery has been a lot faster than many, and including ourselves, had expected. So then this idea that if the, the Australian economy continues to perform at the current pace, then it is now conceivable that the cash rate will be raised earlier than 2024. So, so the market has gone with that idea, and we've seen a repricing of expectations in terms of how soon the, the cash rate could be lifted. Uh, that, that, of course, uh, uh, th that was the theme until around midnight last night, because we've seen a reversal in terms of move low in yields. But uh, nevertheless, there's been these expectations that the cash rate could now 
uh, be lifted sooner than expected if the economy continues to perform as, as, um, uh, at the better than expected rate that it's currently going at. Right. But Aussie bond yields going in the opposite direction to the US and Europe. Do you think that'll, that'll soon switch around today? Well, uh, yeah, if you look at the futures, what we've seen is that, uh, you know, we've seen the big decline in, in U.S. Treasury yields, which, again, we should highlight that is a reflection of a move lower in real yields rather than inflation expectations. So, again, place to the view that the market is sort of repricing that expectations of growth outcomes, given this speed limit, if you like, a theme that we've been referring to. So, um, yes, we've seen uh, Aussie bonds move higher, uh, and, and now we, the expectation will be that it seems reasonable to expect them to, to move lower today, following mm. the move, the overnight move from US Treasury yields oh, as well. So this cautious mood, could that change today? We get the FOMC minute, so they're a little bit more hawkish than perhaps we've been expecting. Could that change things? And then the job openings, the JOLTS numbers, another big indicator from the United States, if that is particularly strong. Could that turn around sentiment today, do you think? Yes. I, I mean, the, the caveat there that the minutes will obviously be backward looking, not representing where we are today. But certainly the minutes will be... Um, Scour, if you like, to, to look for any indication of taper discussion, and in particular, um, um, whether that taper discussion uh, makes a distinction of our mortgage-backed securities uh, and treasuries, because many, including uh, Fed speakers, believe that there's no need for continuing to support the housing market, and therefore the, the tapering could begin with mortgage-backed securities, with treasuries being, being sort of something that you deal with right. later on uh, some right. few months down the line. And the JOLS report expectations are for yet another very, very strong print. So again, that theme that there's a lot of job ads there, uh, enough to, you know, employ almost everyone. Um, but um, uh, there's just not so, not demand or, or appetite yeah, to, the, to get those jobs yeah, or the right, skills. Exactly. All right, we've got to leave it there because uh, I've got a football match to watch. I've got, got it on record. <laughs> I've got to go and see it. And uh, don't tell me the score. No, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We're both in the same boat. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. And that's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow.